We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Oh, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another one here on Insight. I'm CVV, Chris Van Vliet. So good to have you with us here during my birthday week. Yeah, it is true. I was born on Kane's least favorite day. I was born on May 19th, and this year it's a big one for me. On Friday, May 19th, I turn 40. And maybe you've heard me talking about it during other interviews, or maybe you've watched the progress on my social media, but my goal was to be in the best shape of my life by my 40th birthday. And here we are. Here we are. I feel great. And a lot of people have been asking about my workout plan. Honestly, that's not even really been the biggest thing about this. But I mean, it's been pretty simple. It's five days a week in the gym, lifting weights, focusing on one, sometimes two body parts a day, like arms and shoulders are grouped together, but chest is one day, back is one day. And so it's five days in the gym. I do cardio six days a week and then one full day of rest. Maybe we'll do another episode where we dive into all of that. If that's something you're interested in, shoot me a message and we'll make that thing happen. But honestly, it's been all about diet. They say that abs are made in the kitchen. I don't know who says that, but they say that. And that's been a really big part of it. A a heavy focus on a lot of protein, no sugar, no alcohol, and like moderating my carbs. More carbs on days when I'm lifting, less carbs on off days. So all of that is to say, I feel great. Like better than I've felt in many, many years. And yes, the best shape of my life at 40 years old. So no matter how old you are, how young you are, I just want to say that like it's possible for you too. So like just make some small shifts. Like maybe cut out drinking soda or maybe cut out drinking or eating candy. Like little things go such a long way. Move your body, like start to walk a little bit more. You don't need to walk 40 minutes a day on the treadmill like I'm doing right now, but just walk a little bit. So hopefully that, you know, lights a fire under you as we head into my 40th birthday. And as we head into the third interview with Freddie Prince Jr., so good to have him back on the show with us. So good to have him back in the studio. He's, he's my favorite recurring guest because he's always dropping nuggets of knowledge, whether that's about Hollywood, it's about wrestling and his time that he spent as a writer and producer with WWE or just life in general. And I'm excited for his involvement with the premier streaming network And we get into that a lot during this conversation, but both Freddie and I will see you at the Premier Streaming Network Showcase on September 9th in Metuchen, New Jersey. Pre-sale tickets are available as of today for Premier Plus annual subscribers. You can find all of the details on premierstreamingnetwork.com. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you haven't checked out the other two, The last one was like six months ago, and the last one before that was about a year ago. They're great, and they're so worth diving into because Freddie just tells the best stories. So please share this with a friend. Take a screenshot. Tag us on social media so we can share it out as well. He's at Real Freddie Prince. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. If you're not yet, please make sure that you're following so you don't miss out on all the awesomeness that we're dropping. The podcast just keeps getting bigger and better every single week. And it's because of you 
And it's because of you subscribing and following the, uh, following the show. So I appreciate you. Okay, let's do this thing. Here we go. Please welcome Freddie Prince Jr. So good to have you back in here. Thank you, man. Good man, to be back. I, I wish I could have you on every single month. Well, we did it. We got twice in one year, right? I think it was close to that. The last time you were on was November. Yeah, because you were about to gender reveal. That's right. I was going to have the now gender reveal. Revealed. I have revealed. And now you're a- moments away. Oh, my gosh. It could you're- happen right now. If my phone starts ringing, I am out of <laughs> here. You're allowed. It'll I'll only take me two hours out. to get back home with traffic. We'll get you a police escort or something. But you're you're now around at all the biggest moments of my life. Yeah, that's that. Wow. That's fortuitous. Uncle Freddie. <laughs> yeah, she can yeah. call me Uncle Freddie. So we're having a girl. Yeah, congratulations. And we're They're like, better. Better. Better They're than boys? They're easier. They listen. I tell my daughter something one time. She does it. My son, it's like I have to have a Tommy gun size <laughs> clip in order to get him to understand and comprehend. Man. So yeah, trust me, you lucked out. If you have a second and it's a boy, you'll be better prepared. You'll have more patience. You won't want to kill him every single uh, day. It's way better. Do you worry about raising kids in LA? Because I, I worry about that. I worry about, I'd worry about raising kids anywhere. Yeah. I mean, people are crazy. It's, it's, everybody thinks LA is such a weirdo place. LA is a reflection of, of the culture. LA is a reflection of, of the rest of the country. It's selling to you all the time. Yeah. And you keep buying it all the time. Not you, I'm saying you. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a reflection of, of self. They, there's a lot of money and it's pretty and the taxes are big time. But other than that, it's a reflection of the country and people don't always like what they see. And sometimes they really love what they see. And when they love what they see, they become the movie characters. They become yeah, yeah. The, what they see in the films. And when they don't, they reject it and go the opposite direction. That's how punk rock became cool, man. LA's <laughs> so interesting to me because there's so many people that have moved here from somewhere else, like myself. You know, I'm originally from Toronto. So many people have moved here from another place. And you've got this juxtaposition of like, you know, we're just miles away from where Brad Pitt and George Clooney and Freddie Prince Jr. and Julia Roberts and all these people live. Yeah, man. And at the same time, there's all these people that moved here from middle America that are barely getting by chasing that dream. It's it's a city full of dreamers. I think there was a line in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Everyone goes, what movie is that? It's a really good Robert yeah, Downey yeah. Jr. movie with Val Kilmer. And uh, he had a line, he said, it's like someone grabbed the East Coast and shook it. And all the people who weren't strong enough to hang on ended up in Los Angeles. <laughs> and it, that's a good, I think that I think F. Gary Gray wrote that line. And, and it's a very truthful line. And I don't mean it in an insulting way. It's a city full of people with a dream. Mm. So that's a certain type of person. They have big ideas which you need to push society forward, whether it's art, commerce, science, anything. You need big, challenging ideas. But they're not always left-brained people. They're not organized they say things like, oh, I flaked. And that's a legitimate excuse to them. That is, by the way, that is not a legitimate excuse. No. Being an asshole is not a legitimate excuse. That happens in LA way too much. Way too much. But it is a reflection. I'm sure it now happens, you know, every, everywhere else as well. It's not like all those people were born and raised in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. They're from all over the yeah. country. And somehow with all of that said, you and your wife have this incredible relationship. Yeah. Everyone talks about you and Sarah Michelle Gellar being, you know, relationship goals. You just celebrated your 20th wedding anniversary, right? I think we're past 20 now. I think, I think we it, just hit 21. Oh, really? I think we hit 21 and we've been together I thought it like was just 20. I don't know. That's <laughs> a long time. Even, I thought it was just 20. This, I'm a guy. I don't, I don't remember that stuff. I'm, well, it's, it's a long time, especially like 20 years in Hollywood is like I've, 150 years in real life. Yeah, but dates just aren't a bit like I forgot last year's birthday until I saw it on Instagram. Oh. And someone was like, my birthday, not hers. Oh, okay. my, bir- my own birthday. I was like, oh, damn. And then I said, I'm 46. And Sarah said, no, you're 47, you dumbass. <laughs> like, so I'm just not, I'm not that guy. My, my mind isn't, isn't on that stuff. What's the secret to what you guys have done? How have you made it work? We could ask that all the time, yeah. man. There's no answer. There, there really isn't. I could, you know, BS you and, 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 you know, give you something to clip, but it wouldn't even be truthful. Like you're either, you're either both trying to make it work or you're not. And if you're both trying to make it work, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And if you're still in a, in a point in your life where you need to be selfish 
and I don't mean selfish in a bad way, where you need to be selfish to accomplish your goals that you set out for yourself, not your bosses, yours, which are even bigger than that, or to go after your dreams. There is a level of selfishness that must exist. And if you got married before you accomplished that and you can't give as much as they do, then it's either, oops, you're bad, yeah. or you ask them to sacrifice and when you get to where you need to be, then you'll sacrifice for them. Mm -hmm. And I've seen relationships like that work beautifully. People that have been together as long as Sarah and I. And she worked so he could go to college and, and she worked three jobs and he got a great job in finance. And now he busts his ass and she gets to pursue her dreams. Mm -hmm. And they, like I said, double decade relationship. And that was a sacrifice. I've seen other people who, who said, listen, I got into this situation and I, I shouldn't have. And I, I think we need to get a divorce because I can't give you what you need. Mm. I can't give you what you deserve, right? He was very smart the way he, he, he's, he expressed himself in, in asking for a divorce. But it wasn't like, I hate you. It was, I have to be alone in order to accomplish this. And I can't be the man that, that you need me to be. Yeah. And they got a, a, a healthy divorce. And she didn't take him to the cleaners. So it was, it was amicable, which never happens. So there's ways to make, make it work. But it, you know, if you're not ready, don't get married. Like, that's the best advice I could give someone. If you're not where you want to be and you know what it takes to get there, then you know what it takes to get there. And there's a, like, listen to any modern rap song. You know what I mean? Like they're telling you, but it's not in an insulting way. Yeah. It's, it's not crapping on anything. It's like, yo, I'm about money. I'm about getting to where I want to be. And I don't have time for relationship. Yeah. That's a very honest, straightforward, not rude, not disrespectful point of view. They're, they're literally being more honest with you than any other dude you would date. Any other dude. Oh yeah. I love kids. Oh yeah. Marriage is great. <laughs> like they, they'll say anything, but these guys are saying, look, I have talent and I want to see where that talent can take me. And that's not a two-lane street. That's yeah. a one-way street. And it's a motorcycle, not a four-door sedan. There's no room on the back. And I, I, I respect that. You know, Sarah and I were able to sacrifice and say, hey, when you work, I won't. When I work, you won't. And we were in a position where we were able to do that, which was, which was beneficial. But that's, you know, maybe that's how we made it work. It's especially tough in this line of work because it's a lot of shiny things, right? Like that life can feel very shiny and, and it can attract your attention, especially when you're on set with very beautiful people, especially when I you're... I guess so, but I, I have buddies who are, you know, in tech and fix internet that that have, you know, seen their, their spouse be in an affair. You know mm. what I mean? So pretty people are everywhere, everywhere. It's just you're either in it or you're not. You, you guys it's, are both... You guys are that both simple. I've kissed, pretty people. I've kissed way more women on camera than off camera. Like, it, it's not a thing. It's it's just my job. It's my work. I didn't even like all of them. You, you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> I respected them, but I didn't like all of them. It wasn't like, ooh, I get, to, I get to kiss Rachel Lee Cook. No, that was our scene, and we, you know, did our scene. I'm How do still, you kiss someone you don't want to kiss? It's, it's your job. How do you interview someone you don't want to interview? You know I try I mean? to find something interesting about everybody. All right. Well, that's what you do as an actor. You find something about the character that yeah. you love and you focus on that and not the person and then you party on. You know, like pretty much every guy around my age had a giant crush on your wife growing up. Of course. And guys outside <laughs> that generation too. Like they still older, do. Older, creepier ones. <laughs> but I guess at the same time, there was a lot of women around that age who had a giant crush on you too. Yeah. But again, it, you still do. You're either, all I can say is you're either in a relationship or you're not. Mm. And I'm in a relationship. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. I, I've never had a good answer to, to these kind of questions because that's just not a life that I live. And look yeah. at my history. You can see, like, I can count on both hands how many clubs I've been to in my life. How many nightclubs? In LA, New York, Las Vegas, Paris, London, Australia, all combined. I can count on two hands. Nine. That's the number. I'm 47. <laughs> I don't think I'll see double digits in nightclubs. That wasn't my life. We could go make it happen tonight. You've never seen me go to rehab. Drugs isn't a part of my life. Yeah. You've never seen me deal with alcoholism because it was in my life, my family's life, and I never wanted that. So I stayed very, very disciplined. 
the the people who helped raise me were were very disciplined men and women. Uh, one was Bob Wall, who I think you and I have even discussed before. Yeah. He, he was my godfather. He passed away last year. These men didn't play games. They didn't they didn't raise assholes. They they raised humble, disciplined, confident young men and women. My god sisters are gangsters, man. Like they see something and they they kill it. My 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 youngest god sister uh, had her own coffee shop that she financed. She got the loan. She did everything at 19 years old, and not, or sorry, at 21 years. She was wow. 21 years old, and that's to, to have the guts to do that and the confidence to do it well. And by the way, it's still there today. She sold it, but it's still there today. Like yeah. these are these are 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 disciplined people. They're not just people that that dream. They're people that go out and figure out how to accomplish that dream. Ask questions. Shut up and listen. When someone has more experience than you, be quiet. Ask mm -hmm. a question and be quiet. And don't, don't say things like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, because you don't know. Shut up and be humble and learn. And mm -hmm. it wasn't, they weren't mean. They were saying mean things to me. They were just strict. And nowadays, they'd be called abusive. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's so mean. Like, all right, well, if you like me, you definitely like him because he helped raise me. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't like me, then you probably wouldn't like him <laughs> because he raised me. I also love that you dive in to the things like the, the nerdy things that you like. Like we could sit here and talk for four hours about Star Wars and we could sit here and sci-fi. Yes. yes. Star Wars. I think I got about 90 minutes. <laughs> and we could probably talk about, you know, for 18 hours about pro wrestling, probably 18 days. Let's actually. Do, yeah. Let's see. Let's see. I'm sure that's probably a Guinness record. Longest podcast. Oh, man. 18 days. No way anyone hit that. I mean, I, I love sleep too much to make that happen. I think we should go just bring a bucket and let's go for it. <laughs> let's we could talk wrestling, dude. I love wrestling. And, and your podcast is so good. Thank you, man. It's Wrestling with Freddie. We call it Wrestling with Friends because my buddy Jeff Dye is my co-host on it now for two years. And uh, I love talking wrestling. That's all we do. He's a stand-up comic, so he's really funny and his takes are ridiculous and often right. Um, and yeah, it's just two guys that love it. We don't talk about the stuff we hate. Um, although if there is somebody I love that I see something bad happen to, we definitely talk about that. Kind Look, of stuff. there's enough negativity in pro wrestling. Yeah. I try to, I try to keep things positive and, and I don't want to talk about stuff I don't like. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. It's so funny though, because you're so knowledgeable about wrestling and not everybody knows your background working for WWE twice. And I think a lot of times people will hear your takes which are so often spot on and they'll We've be like- We've gotten it right a lot, yeah. Of course. And there's a lot of people that are like, wait a second, is that the guy from Scooby-Doo yeah, talking people, about wrestling? Some people get mad, but that's okay. You're, you're, allowed, you're allowed to get mad and you're allowed to think my opinions suck. You're allowed to think you know anything you want. I, I, I still do the show that I do every week because I yeah. love it. And if you think I'm wrong, party on, man. But it's just that people- People have this, you know, their own perceptions, right? It's they, art. It's a, they're allowed to. But they to. don't realize that you were a writer for WWE, that you, sure. you know, flew on Vince's jet with him. Like, But there are people who painted with Picasso, and there were, you know, critics and fans of theirs that didn't know that relationship existed and just judged them based on what they had seen. And that's how they're conditioned to interpret their information. Yeah. That's why Amadeo Modigliani wasn't beloved until after he was dead. And it was Picasso who went and chastised the masses and said, how dare you not give this man the, the honor that he deserved. Yeah. And his, his paintings and portraits went from like four francs to 200,000 francs. And the reason they did was because of that Picasso endorsement. But what people didn't know was Picasso had bought up all of Modigliani's art before he made the speech. And then sold it all and made a fortune. That's bro. This is why I love having you on the show. <laughs> How dirty is that, man? <laughs> so the dirtiest, right? Every time, though, that you give your take on things, there's a lot of people that go, well, why isn't Freddie running his own company? He's talked about running this company. What's going I, on here? I have been working on it. Um, I'll actually, I can talk a lot about the process. Yeah. I wrote, I wrote a wrestling show and it was also a promotion. Like a scripted show? It was partially scripted and then wrestling matches as, as well. And okay. depending on the talent, you can let some people do their own thing. Some people need to be written for. Some people shouldn't talk. That They're more skilled in the ring than on the microphone, right? Yeah. But it was different than what is out there today. I, I felt in a, in a good way. 
And uh, I started going out with it the traditional Hollywood way, which is find a producer who's passionate about the material or and or showrunner, attach them to the material, and then you and that showrunner producer go to networks. I don't like this process. It adds people that weren't an organic part of the process to it at a very early stage, and it makes it seem like it's okay to change everything. Um, it doesn't always go down like that, but more often than not, it does. Uh, and the producers that I found all wanted so much ownership that by the time I would be done with the network and and the the showrunner, I'm making less than both of them. Mm. And it's my idea. Yeah. And that's normally how it goes when you sell a half hour or an hour long television show, right? So I wanted to shift or switch tracks, I guess is a better way to say it, and completely self-finance, produce and create something that then already exists and license it then to studios once I can establish what it is, the way Vince does um, Monday Night Raw with the USA Network. Yeah. He licenses it to them. They don't own it. He licenses it. The same way he doesn't own the arenas he's in, he leases them for that night. Yeah. Um, and that there are ownership laws that exist, but that's not ownership, right? So I wanted to own it. And it's an independent wrestling promotion, but I needed an education in independent wrestling from the distribution side and from the actual physical promotion side as well. Matt Cardona, who we both love, yep. introduced me to the wonderful people that helped create um, Fight TV, and they've created the uh, premier streaming network, PSN. You can go on a phone and go to the app store and download it right now. And they have, it's almost like a new cyberpunk territory system where they're bringing all these independent wrestling promotions to their network, and you can watch everything they're doing, but more importantly, everything they've done. So a lot of the wrestlers that, they, that you can watch are wrestlers that you would see on AEW and WWE, but now you can watch their early matches. Yeah. You can watch Generico matches. You can watch Kevin Steen. You can watch you know, all, all these guys doing their thing at a young age, and with all the new wrestling coming in, they have something, and I, I usually need to go to my phone for this, but on September 9th in New Jersey. I will be there. And you are actually <laughs> a part of this, which yeah. is so awesome. I'm hosting the pre-show. You're going That's to Medicine, so New Jersey yeah. at the Medicine Sportsplex, and they're doing their premier showcase there, which is basically, and I love this, each independent promotion that they represent sends their best wrestlers to this one show in the hopes that their wrestler will win the premier championship, mm. which is a championship that PSN has created and will allow to be defended on any independent promotion that, that the wrestler wins it from and then goes to. Um, it's so old school. It feels like Kumite from like the old school Van Damme, even though Frank Dukes was a fraud. You heard it here. <laughs> um, straight up, that's, that's real talk. Um, the real ones, no. But it feels like a Kumite tournament and you get to have this sort of winner at the end. I just hope somebody screams Mate instead of taps out. <laughs> and you're an investor in PSM. I'm a co-owner of the yeah. company. A co-owner? Yeah, wow. I really believe and in Josh what Josh Chernoff is the one who's kind of headed this up. Yes. And that guy works his ass off. He busts his ass. Yes. And they know independent wrestling. They have access to so much. And I can, instead of going to film school for four years, get on a set. You'll learn a lot more. That's what I would always recommend to people instead of getting in debt. And this is the same thing as like throw me in the fire and and hope I don't get burned too bad. You know what I mean? But it's an education and a, and a trial by fire, and I think will prepare me better when I do uh, my own show, which which I'll more than likely also be doing with with PSN as well. So if I'm co-hosting the pre-show, if I'm the there, showcase. we got to have a segment. The Let's do it. We this means you're my segment. boss. <laughs> wow. Well, okay. I'll be your partner. That I'll be your partner. Okay. I'll be your partner. You'll be my partner. Yeah, I'll be your color guy. This is it. That's so interesting. The, the, the interesting thing about you is it's like so many people view you as the, I know what you did last summer guy or as the Scooby-Doo guy or as the, my favorite summer catch guy. <laughs> you're so weird. <laughs> so, I love it, man. <laughs> so good. And then also as like, you're also the wrestling guy, like, but your wrestling knowledge is, it's, it's, it's high. Look, I have a lot, but I'm by no means a, an, an historian. I think it's an historian, not a historian. I believe so, when it's a, a vowel sound, yeah. yes. Um, but I have a good education of, of the physical process 
and how the business works. I had a good mind for the business when I worked there. I learned a lot from all the old school guys. And so a lot of my philosophies are old school. In the last two years, a lot of the new school guys have really charmed me. And so I feel like I'm a good balance Ooh, between the who's two. Who's charming you right now? Well, just from people that I actually know, the next generation. Like, I'm, I'm friendly with, with MJF. Like Nobody we, likes MJF. I love him. And Nobody likes him. I know, but I love him. So he's got one. <laughs> okay. Just like you're the one guy that saw Summer Catch. I'm Stop the, one, it. I'm the so, one guy that loves look, Jessica Biel is in that movie, all right? She is. And that's a great reason to love it. <laughs> it, was, it had nothing to do with me. But MJF... <laughs> is is king midas and and there's the threat that he that he touches himself and <laughs> and turns to gold as as well thus ending his reign but i don't think we're there yet and his philosophies on the business are are sort of tattooed in his soul old school but his mind is not old school his mind is new school so i think he's a perfect combination of mixing the two he takes risks, which I like. Allow artists to take risks. It might not always work. Mm. He may screw up sometimes and do something that, that people feel crosses the line. Allow artists to take risks. They learn from them, I promise. He wants, he wants you behind him, whether you hate him or love him. Yeah. Either way, if he sees something doesn't work, he doesn't do it <laughs> twice. He changes and evolves. So the criticism's fine, but just allow for these mistakes to happen. Allow for... Artists to have regret. You know what I mean? There's movies that I did and looking back, I go, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that movie now. It's not that I hate it. It's not that I'm unappreciative. I have regrets about the process and how it went and where I was versus where I wish I would have been as far as my skill, as far as, as being able to hone my talent at, at a later age instead of an earlier age, which I wish I could have done quicker. But it yeah. took me 10 years. You know what I mean? But the interesting thing about movies is they, they are forever. They you know? are, and, and, and you have to see that image yes. for it. So a big reason why I don't watch my stuff, I don't want to see anything that I would deem a mistake on camera because it pisses me off, mm. and, I, and I, I obsess about that. So it's better to just stay away from it and know that I was a better actor at the end of the movie than when the movie huh. started. And that's really the, the main goal that I, that I put in when I was a younger actor. As I got older and my perspectives on the business changed a bit, evolved, then you know I would set different goals during each movie, and I started thinking much more how the audience would react, how they would take this, where the music would be, how loud it would be in certain mm. moments. And that's all just experience and seeing other old school actors ask questions, give information, and just stealing little things yeah. here and there from them. I, like, I remember Sylvester Stallone told me when I interviewed him, this idea that movies are forever, and when, they get, when that goes on the big screen, that will live on for decades, yeah. centuries to come. And I feel like we're more forgiving in like sports. If you see an athlete who's, who's doing something early on in their career, we go, yeah, but that was early in their career. Yeah, as long as you're not a degenerate gambler and have money on it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> then there's forgiveness. Right. But in, in, in a movie, we go, oh, man, that movie from 10, 20 years ago. They'll uh, assassinate people for yes. it. There's, I won't say any names, but there's actors who their early work, I was like, man, I don't. I don't know, like, who auditioned that was so bad that they lost to this? <laughs> and then 10 years later, looking at him and being like, wow, how did he, how the hell did he, do, I'm mm. stealing that. That's so freaking good. You know what I mean? And that, yeah. but he had time to grow and develop. And, yeah. you know, he just got pushed quick and, and got famous quick and then developed the talent into a skill over the next decade to yeah. the point where, it wasn't just me. Other actors I know are like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. And and felt the same way I did early, yeah. early on. So, And I'm sure, by the way, I'm one of those. I look back at where I was compared to where I got to by the time I was in my 30s, and it was it was night and day. And I'm, I'm proud to say that. So I have mistakes on camera that for sure will live on forever. But at the time, hmm. it was me at my best. It was me constantly challenging myself, learning what worked, what didn't not always as quickly as I wanted, but learning. What do you think is your best performance? Uh, it was a movie called, they changed the name of it. Um, and I don't read title pages. <laughs> it was called. <laughs> doesn't watch his own movies, doesn't read title pages. It was called I'm Nailed Right In, and they changed it to Brooklyn Rules. And it was me, 
Jerry Ferrara, Scott Kahn, Mina Suvari, and Alec Baldwin. What a cast. It was a really good cast, and it took place in the 80s, and it was basically Terry Winters, the uh, writer from Sopranos and Boardwalk Empire. It was his life story as a, mm. as a young man, and I played Terry. Um, I don't remember what the character's name was in the movie, but it was the Terry Winters character. You don't remember your character's name? Brother, I was 33, maybe 30. Like, that's 17 years ago, man. No, I don't remember my characters from... We Any have all them. the world's information right here. Do you want me to look it yeah, up? Yeah, but who, I'm not Googling myself to see what roles I played. You know what I mean? Like, I did it. I know I did what it. What was the movie called? Brooklyn Rules. Okay, let's see. Watch now. That won't even be the name. Let's see. <laughs> Brooklyn Rules. Okay. I'll say Mike was the name. Hey, okay, that Brooklyn Rules is the name of the film. All right. You were Michael Turner. Let's I look said, at that. Come on. And I just picked the most generic <laughs> name I could think of. I think it was Mike, maybe John. Mike or John. It was Mike <laughs> or John. I know I've played Ray in I Know You Did because I watched that movie for my horror podcast. That was pretty scary. My 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 buddy made me watch it. And I actually really enjoyed it. It was it was a surreal experience to be certain, but I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, we gotta give some love to your horror podcast. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, check it out. You can listen to it anywhere. Um, we're on the Morbid Network. I love those women. All they do is death and horror, whether it's real or from, <laughs> from movies. I love being there. All I watch are horror films. We're getting ready to record another one on Thursday. We're doing Fright Night from 1985, which is one of my favorite horror movies and one of the greatest top 10 horror posters wow. ever made. And, and Chris Sarandon plays the vampire. And y'all, he's so sexy. Like he's back. There's, there's a reason Susan Sarandon kept the name when they divorced because he's that damn fine. <laughs> and he plays a vampire just beautifully. And, and I love the movie so much. And John, my partner actually he goes, dude, we should do Fright Night. And my brain just exploded because yeah. I haven't seen it in like yeah. 15 years. And it was just like, oh my God, we're doing Fright Night. And it just holds up. Tom Holland was so underrated in the 80s. As a, as a horror director. And some people like Fright Night 2 just as much. It's not quite as, as charming, but it's still super good. But Fright Night 1 is just horror gold. And there's comedy in it, yeah. too. So. so wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, there's there's two others for you to listen to. Yeah, just what go. you need, two more podcasts. That, yeah, there's not enough in the world. Not enough <laughs> podcasts. That's, that's right. Do you think of how different your life could have been had you got Scream instead of I Know What You Did Last Summer? Not until this moment. Um, <laughs> no, because I had no shot at Scream. And I knew we actually did Scream on the horror podcast. And I talked about the whole story yeah. of audition, which I believe you and I have spoken about before. But I had an audition. And the one note they gave me was try to be a little more edgy. And this was me at like 1920. Okay, sweet boy, Freddie. I walk out and there's Skeet with like some stubble, leather jacket, white t-shirt and just at edge i mean as sharp as a as a barber's razor before he cuts the guy's throat because he's secretly an assassin that's how freaking edgy who and i just looked at him and was like i'm so dead <laughs> and it wasn't like i psyched myself out it was just i was a very humble realistic artist hmm. and was like yeah that's what they want, and I'm the safety valve in case he just completely implodes in the audition or or doesn't show. And on the last one, I went in red, knew I wasn't edgy enough, but did my best. I'd never even tried to be edgy before because I'd get smacked by my family if I did. Walked out, saw him, and was like, hey, man, you're good. <laughs> and just walked out and knew it was over. So, so no, I never really thought about it because I never felt I had a legit shot at booking it. I was the other guy. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's easier in hindsight to look back and go, I wonder what other roles would have been made available had yeah. I done Scream um, as opposed to not. But I had so much fun on almost every job I've done and met so many solid, solid friggin' people that I'm still friendly with to this day. I don't think I could, I don't think I could trade it. And I, I don't know how long I could endure the fantasy of, of the other thing because I just met, like I would have never met Brian Dennehy and that guy taught me more in two and a half months about acting than damn near anyone in my life. That was on your favorite movie, Summer Catch. And uh, Stop hating on Summer Catch. I'm not. I'm telling you it's why so I loved good. it. He was one of the most influential people on me as a, in my late 20s as far as 
what I was trying to accomplish on camera versus what I was capable of accomplishing on camera. And he really helped me start to bridge that gap. Um, so, so yeah, man, I, I, I wouldn't have ever had that. It would have taken even longer to figure this shit out. You and I should do a summer catch podcast. Because <laughs> the world just needs one more episodes. It's just one episode, a one-off, take it or leave it. How fast was your fastball? 83 was the fastest. Wow. That's not that fast. That's impressive, though. Well, we, that was after training and everything, too. We, Still? We trained for like a good month. And uh, they clocked me at they clocked me at eighty three, but I had really good control, so they let me do a lot of my own pitching, except when it's on my back. You can see this dude with a big old butt, and that was the guy that was my my double. Um, but I got to pitch to Griffey Junior, which was amazing. That's- I got to pitch to a bunch of minor league guys in the movie. And uh, did Griffey take you yard? The very first pitch. <laughs> or no, the first pitch I threw a circle change. Yeah. And I was supposed to throw heat and he didn't even swing at all. Like he was never gonna swing at it. And he just looks at me and goes, Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, Hey, whatever. He's cool. He's chill. And then I threw a f- I didn't throw two seamers, I threw four seamers. And I threw a four seamer, the first one, boom, he hits it out, dead center field. I'm like, Jesus, that was so good. And then the director says, This was when they played at Synergy Field. I don't know the name of their their stadium now. But uh the director said, hey, Junior, could you hit it over the Welcome to Synergy Field sign? And he goes, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and my ego was just like, oh, God. Like, and I don't know why my ego did that because there's no way I'm going to hang with a pro yeah. at, at any sport because I'm not. Jr. But my ego still was like, oh, he's just going to put it exactly where he wants. I was like, I'm going to throw this shit as hard as I can. And so full like, wind. I'm going to throw it low and away. I think I even did a wind-up and there were men on base. Like, that's how pissed I was. I I. Think it could have been from the stretch though. All I know is I threw it so friggin' hard. I was in physical therapy after because I threw my shoulder out a little bit and just threw it as hard as I could. And I don't know if they clocked it, but it felt faster than the 83 that I was throwing on the movie, right? And he just whap and you couldn't even hear the ball hit the bat. It was just like and you just see the ball go right over the synergy. Welcome to Synergy Field Sign. Man. And my reaction was legit. The one they caught on camera was just like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. How did he do that? And for him, it's nothing. But he went 0 for 5 in the game that night. So, got yeah, him. Yeah, he blew it all on you. Yeah, so the Pirates owe me one. Do you think I could be in the sequel to Summer Catch? There will never be a sequel. Come on. Summer. It only made like 50 bucks, man. You should have brought your bros. I didn't go see it enough times. You should have brought some bros. <laughs> Me and my friend Greg watched that movie all the time. You didn't bring any ladies with you? Uh, I don't. Had you both brought ladies, there would be a sequel talk, but now there's not. We need to make Summer Catch 2. Back to the minors. Uh, so what else you want to talk about? You I want to talk I- about fatherhood? You want to talk about movies? You want to talk about we could talk about the everything. weather. What do you want to do? I actually want to uh, go back to MJF. I'm fascinated here because there's a lot of talk about everything he's doing in AEW so good. Mm-hmm. And people are like, one day when his contract's up, he's going to go to WWE. Do you think that'll happen? I don't know. I, you know, the character of MJF will go where the money's best. But I think special stars get special treatment. And exceptions are made for exceptional people. And I feel like any offer WWE would make, Tony Khan would match. Mm. And MJF has a ton of freedom. A ton of freedom where he's at. And at WWE, you simply don't. It's a publicly traded company. There there are people to answer to. And I've heard, I heard that when I worked there. So it's just a different environment. And I don't know if, if Max would trust the process there at that company to get him as over as he is at a smaller company. And AEW, by the way, they're doing fine. They pre-sold over 35,000 tickets in London for a pay-per-view that's technically two pay-per-views away. Yeah. Um, so they're doing well. That's a big win for them. So as long as they keep producing like that, I, you know, I don't, if I were him, I wouldn't leave. Because like the storyline they put him in with with the other three, they're the four pillars. Yeah, they're they're the they were the young ones that helped build the company with Jericho laying down the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. And Cody. Um, but yeah, man, I don't I don't get any MJF. I get the MJF hate. I just don't agree with it, and I don't think he would leave. It's listen, WWE does great stuff. 
All right. The whole bloodline Sami Zayn thing, that was great stuff. Great. But they also do stuff that feels very tight and constrictive. And you feel like the talent is being someone that they don't believe in. And it's, it's hard to ask a professional wrestler to just get rid of who they are and be someone else. They're not a trained actor 99% of the time. They're amazing in the ring. They know how to, that kind of psychology, but they don't know how to break down a, a, a monologue, which they call a promo. When I was there, that was, I mean, I was literally teaching them what I was learning in acting class on how to break a scene down mm. as far as like goal, objective, root. That's what I want. That's what's stopping me from getting what I want. As an actor, what choices am I going to make to get that? Am I going through the objective? Am I going under it? Am I going around it? Those were all the things. And yeah, we would yeah. talk about that with their promos. Like, what is it you want out of this promo? I want to get over. Everybody wants to get over. What is it the character wants? He wants a shot at the title. Okay. What's preventing you from getting that shot at the title? Well, this guy's, you know, he's making me wrestle all these other guys to earn a shot. He's interfering in all the... Perfect. What are you going to do? Now's the promise you're going to make to the crowd. What's the promise going to be? It doesn't matter how many things he throws at me. It doesn't matter how many times he cheats. I'm still going to be here. You're not going to, you know, that, and then that's how we would develop a promo basically. But I don't, but even then when it was done, sometimes it would get changed last minute because, you know, Vince caught a wild hair and all of a sudden it was, oh, this sucks. I'm like, it was great an hour ago. Those were your words. This is great. This is shit. <laughs> like, what happened in 60 minutes? Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, who who talked to you, man? Who got to you? <laughs> Was his name Kevin? Um, so, yeah, man. So things changed last minute there at a much higher at a much higher rate. And I'm sure there's there's pros and cons to both companies that people that are more on the inside are, are far more aware of than I am. But if I were him, I wouldn't leave. Would you leave? You, you, you finish building your perfect castle. Your perfect castle with all the defenses you need. You have you have the people are happy. They're they're well fed. Everyone's starting to make money, and then you're just gonna go. Oh, it's this castle over here. <laughs> no, man. Why would you start over? Cody Rhodes did that. Yeah, but I think different Cody's situation. an older guy with kids and had different priorities than than what a young twenty. How old is he? Twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Somewhere in there, mid twenties. I mean, your, your, your priorities and the way you look at the world is completely different in, in, their, in that age gap between the two men. I remember saying like years ago, so when, when someone was getting released from WWE, it would always be like, are they going to sign to AEW? They're going to sign to AEW. Right. And I said, one day, somebody is going to do the opposite. One day, somebody's going to go from AEW to WWE sure. and nobody's talking about that. I think little did I know it was going to be Cody Rhodes. Yeah, and I people are talking about like Kenny Omega now and things like that. But again, that would just seem so weird to me considering how much freedom he has at one company and how little he would have at the other. There's trade-offs, I guess, right? Like sure. It's, but it's, at that level, they're all making money. They're all making good sure. money. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's not it's not like the old days. If you're a mid to top guy, you're making good money. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like Cody's path has been very interesting. Check this out. Okay. So <laughs> a buddy of mine who knows way more about wrestling than me, uh, he's a Broadway actor and he loved, I don't want to say his name because if he got it right, I don't want WWE to like prevent him from getting tickets, right? <laughs> but he's, he's so cool and he loves wrestling and he hits me up after Cody lost at Mania and he goes, what if it wasn't Vince that made him lose? I said, okay. And he said, uh, he goes, what if when he talked to Triple H, and he says, and you know Triple H is a student of the game. Like, he knows every storyline that's ever been told. He loved all those old guys. Yeah. He said, what if the plan was for him to lose all along, and they recreate the Dusty Rhodes hard time storyline? Mm. So for the whole year, Cody's just getting effed time and time, and it takes him a year to earn his way back until the very next WrestleMania. And Roman's the champ and all Roman's the way? And Roman's the champ all the way. And, you, and so I was like, well, what happens at Backlash? He goes, Brock squashes him. Brock kills him. And I go, dude, you don't think it kills the character? He goes, if they're doing the hard times story, it doesn't. Because that's what Magnum TA did to Dusty on his mm. road to the top. And I'm sitting there, I'm, and he pitched it so nice. And I, if I could do my impression of him, it, I could do the whole story, but yeah. that would give away who it is. <laughs> Um, but it was just, his pitch was so good. I was like, I'll be damned if they're not, I'm, and I'm completely convinced now that that's what's going to happen. So watch Backlash 
if this comes out before then. If not, I think it comes out after then. Oh well, then yeah. you'll know whether we were yeah. right or wrong at that point. But even if he lose, even if he wins, they could still do it. I think they just have to connect it more to the bloodline story again. What's interesting to me is. I really enjoyed WrestleMania 39. I was there at night one. We did night one, too. We were oh, awesome. My kids I, just, I must have missed you there. We did, yeah. I must have missed you in the sea of 80,000 people. Exactly. <laughs> the sea of flesh. It's interesting because I really enjoyed the whole show, night one and night two. And there's a lot of people that go, man, WrestleMania sucked. And they're only saying that because Cody didn't win. Yeah, like, I that was a great match. I haven't heard anyone say it sucked. I heard people get pissed with the finish of that. I was pissed with the finish I was just like, oh, my God, you made me believe. And my fear was he made promises because mm-hmm. that's what a promo is. That's what, Pat, uh, that's, what, that's what Pat taught me, rest in peace, was a promo is a promise. Anything you bring to the ring is a promise. That's why they don't have wrestlers bringing a gun to the ring because <laughs> that you don't use it, you broke the promise. You bring the sledgehammer, you have to use the sledgehammer. That's or it's a, a broken promise. Point. Anything you say on the mic in a promo is a promise to the audience. And if you break it, you lose credibility. And he made a lot of promises yes. and put a lot of philosophy out there. And so that was my fear and disappointment. But once my buddy convinced me of, of hard times, baby, I was just like, oh, my God, it's going to be hard times. It's going to be hard times for Cody Rhodes. And he's going to finish the story and look up and do his dad. And they both had hard times and he's got the hard title. Hard times breed better men. I'm telling you, I think, I think that's what they're doing. I hope it is. Otherwise, WrestleMania 40 in Philly. In Philly. In Philly. You want to talk about hard times. sports town in America. And cruel is a nice word. (laughs) Cruel is me being nice to y'all. I will say this. The energy that Philly crowds bring to a wrestling show, even though I I find your behavior oftentimes completely (laughs) reprehensible, is still the greatest wrestling crowd that I've ever seen. Like, they're just, the, the, the level of investment is so much <laughs> higher than any other American city. And I, I, more than San Antonio with luchadors going, more than any, any other place, more than down south, like more than anywhere else. Uh, Montreal Philly, has some great I, Only America, crowds. only America. Okay. Canada's a whole different beast because okay. they don't get it as often. So they appreciate yes. when it comes there. Same with London. Like, London's always a great crowd. Yeah. Because they don't go there as frequently. So when they get it, they show that love. So you could say they even outperform the Philly crowds. But as far as America goes, Philly owns America as far as crazy wrestling. I just hope it's warm. Like WrestleMania first weekend in April in Philly. Oh, I could go either way. Philly doesn't care if it's warm. I hope hope it's cold and that you stay out. So they have more tickets. But for there's going to be so many people cousins. flying in. They like don't want. Us. They don't want us there. They don't I want know, us they there. Don't. They want to sell it out themselves. They don't. They don't care. They probably they could. I just wish WrestleMania had the same rule that the Super Bowl has, where it, it needs to be either indoors or a median temperature of 75 degrees. I don't know how the look. It'll like be April. La- New York WrestleMania 35. A little chilly, and then it rained. It did not great. And it's usually such a bad omen when it rains. Somebody usually gets oh. hurt really bad. Did you go to WrestleMania 35 in New York? No. The last it was WrestleMania. so hard to get an Uber out of there at the end oh of the night. God. It was the worst. Yeah, you got to have like alter- alternate plans already made up for escapes on, on how you're going to get and the out worst of there. Thing and Uber's about, not the way. The worst thing about MetLife Stadium is it's not even in New York. It's, it's in another state. Parsippany, right? Parsippany, <laughs> New Jersey? In, uh, no, it's... Um, Oh, no, everybody's – we have all the world's information, of course, in front of us here. It's in um, – Oh, no, that's the where the Jets play is, is Parsippany. Uh, right? Metland, Meadowlands? Metlife. Is that where the Giants and Jets yes. play? Yes. I thought that was Parsippany, New Jersey. It is in Rutherford, oh, New Jersey. Oh, Rutherford. Rutherford. East we'll Rutherford. Be, we'll be in Jersey for some, uh, for some wrestling. Yes. And if I can get out there, I will. I might be working. Um, we'll see what, what this writer strike does with everything. And if they can uh, work it out, but I might be working and not be able to go, but I'll still be promoting the hell out of it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What did you think of the new design of the World Heavyweight Championship? It's fine. I'm not... It's just fine? I don't care about the titles. I only care about the person wearing it. That's... Mm. I, I mean, do I have favorite titles that I go, oh, that looks cool? Sure, but I, it's more about the person who wore it and did they make it mean something? Did they need the title to get over? Did they help get the title over? Like, I think more about the individual than, than the jewelry. And that's all it is to me. It's just jewelry. I think it's a great-looking design. I don't even wear a wedding ring. Oh, I don't my wear gosh, a chain. yeah. I don't wear bracelets. Oops, sorry. Killed the <laughs> microphone. I don't wear bracelets. I don't wear it. I don't care about jewelry. I my, uh, my wedding ring is made of silicone. That's, that's cool. Look at that, right? It's nice and bendy. I just don't like the way it feels. I don't like. Well, the way I can it work looks. out with this on. Yeah, if I choose to, um, I can work out with mine too. I don't even feel <laughs> it. I don't even feel it. I I think that the title is a great looking design. My problem, and I don't know if you'll agree with me here or not. My problem with bringing back the World Heavyweight Championship is it becomes a secondary title because the perception of it that WWE created yes. was it is a secondary title. I because, feel you. That's because fair. both that's of fair. The, the titles that Roman has, that's the WWE championship. Yeah. So whatever is that any title below that isn't that title. It was like when Cena was WWE champ and Edge was the world heavyweight champ. Yep. And everyone on SmackDown knew yep. that Vince didn't care as much about that title. I won't say didn't give a shit, but didn't care as much than he did mm. his title. Um, and that's why John always had the nicer titles. So, so yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair. And then concern. there's, there's also a lot of guys who will win just the big gold, mm -hmm. but they never got a chance to win the WWE yeah. championship. And you know, the one that immediately comes to mind is Dolph Ziggler. And it's yeah. like, like I should have won the championship. Dolph's the man, dude. I, He's the best. He sat right there just a few weeks ago. I had to direct the very first Dolph Ziggler segment ever. The first three, actually, when he was just coming up When he was just shaking everybody's going, hands? Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And Jamie Noble's like, I know your name already. Like We were just trying to do anything we could to make <laughs> this not suck. Because I've fought against this idea so much that Vince made me do it. They were like, what are we going to name him? Yeah, he and they, hates that name so they much. They said Dirk Diggler. And Vince was like, that's great. And I stood up and I'm looking at the guy who pitched it. I'm like, dude, you're gonna, we're going to get sued. It's from Boogie Nights. You can't do that. Why can't we just give him a normal name? Why does it have to be goofy? And then they were like throwing all these names out there. Well, he looks like Dolph Lundgren. And he's like, what about Dolph Ziggler? And I literally was like, we're not doing Dolph Ziggler. And I think uh, this guy DJ had my back too and was like, yeah, I don't, I don't love that. And uh, I fought so hard and Vince was like, all right, it's Dolph Ziggler. And he goes, uh, Freddie, you're going to handle that segment. And I looked at him. I was like, what kind of middle finger is that? Just tell me to fuck off. Why would you do this? And so I went to him, and I think it was either me or Freebird that broke the name to him. And he was just like, okay. And he just went for it, man. The same man. way he goes for it in the ring, like he committed right away. He knew it was crap. And people hated it till they loved it. It was very reminiscent of the New Day. People hated the New Day. And the same chant that was, you suck, became, oh, my God, we love you guys. And they became, and it was the work on the mic and the work in the ring that got those guys over. In, for, for Dolph's case, or in Dolph's case, 
it was his work in the ring and then his mic work, which developed about a decade into his career, yep. where all of a sudden you were like, here we go, here we go, career versus Miz, let's do this. And those yep. promos, oh, that match is so those, good. and those promos were yes. top shelf. That I remember that storyline and I shouldn't, but I do. You know what I mean? That's how good those guys were in that. Um, and I genuinely thought he was going to lose and that was going to be it and he was going to retire from wrestling. I mean, that's how well he made me yeah. believe it. But yeah, I was there when they conceived the name fought against it, and was punished for my efforts. <laughs> Nick Nemeth is a good name. It's a great name. That should be his name. It should, and uh, it is not. Look, nobody sells better than Dolph Ziggler. No one does. No one takes spears better. No one takes no super one takes kicks DDTs better. better. Nope. No one no, no. We one, could list every move, and nobody takes him better. Seriously. That's right. No one takes him better than Dolph Ziggler. No, he's the man. He's he is the man. so, so good. He actually said it's a detriment that he takes moves so well. Because they want him to... They go, hey, you take other the brogue. guys look great. You take the brogue kick really well. So uh, you've got another match with Sheamus, so you can take the brogue kick. Yeah, in your face again. <laughs> yeah, because you make it look like you're getting killed. Yo, he he's the man. I love. I mean, I just love professional wrestlers. I love. Look, my favorite part of all the Jackie Chan movies are the fight scenes. I like fight choreography. That's all pro wrestling. Do is. you like UFC? Yeah, I like UFC, but I I don't like seeing people get hurt that bad you know I'm, what i mean I'm, I'm really getting into bkfc right now i've watched a little bit of it i just I, st I i know a few of these guys and girls now so and i can't watch someone i know fight mm -hmm. i i hate i hate that like i hate it i don't even even if i know they're gonna win i still know they're gonna get hit and it just does something to me so i have to not know either competitor not follow them on instagram <laughs> like I don't, anyone that i like and i don't want to see them get hurt you know, that's why i don't follow kevin holland he was losing too much but you do jujitsu like yeah you know, it's i know part some of, the of game. these like brian ortega helped me get my blue belt back in the day wow and he was what a belt do you have now a purple belt wow um but yeah man like i i've known brian for i mean for damn near he was a brown belt when i met him he was a brown belt when I met him. He was teaching autistic kids jujitsu and made this non-communicative kid speak when the kid did a trap and roll. The kid went, yeah. Oh. And his dad started crying. And Brian goes, why, why are you crying? He goes, that's the first word my son ever said. Wow. And I'm just sitting there like, Brian's telling me this story. I'm like, what, dude? And like two weeks later, I'm in there and there's this kid. He's like 11, 12 years old. There's this kid. He's like 11, 12 years old. And I'm talking to this dude, and he seems like a cool kid. He's like, oh, you were in Scooby movie? I go, yeah. And uh, he goes, oh, that was my favorite movie. I said, cool, make sure you give your dad some love because you probably made him watch it more times than he wanted to. He goes, I, w I will, I will. And he was so well-spoken. It was like talking to a 17-year-old. And uh, Brian comes in, and he goes, oh, hey, buddy. And he's talking to him, too. And the kid just lights up when he, when he sees Brian. And the kid leaves to go to group class. And I go, man, what a cool kid. He goes, that was the little dude I was telling you about. And I was like, what? I go, he said he was non-communicative. He goes, not anymore. Wow. And I, I'm telling you, it was like talking to a young adult. I was just like, what did jujitsu just do? Like, it, and that's w one of the reasons why I love it. When I talk to guys like John Jacques Machado, yeah. um, I'm even wearing his shoes right now. Oh, yeah. That's how and much. great socks, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, I got the Ace Venturas. Can, can you, can you got some pizza? So you can, if you just lift your, there it is. Get the angle. Ace Ventura, Boom. Pet Detective. Ace Ventura. I quote that movie all the time. I got to have weird socks. You got some pizza socks. I, uh, you got weird socks. I haven't eaten pizza in so long because I'm on this very strict meal plan right now. I'm on a on a diet as well. I'm trying to get... I, I am getting into the best shape of my life by my 40th birthday. Dude, your arms are getting huge like Austin Theory arms. I'm trying there. here. Not Thank quite you. Austin. Nah, I mean, his arms are gigantic. Dude, his guy. arms are, look like they were plucked from like, another human He and looks put like Apollo, him. like the Greek statues <laughs> that does. you see. Where you're just like, hold up, what, bro? Like, <laughs> shave the beard and I'll love you forever, dude. He's got the young man's beard where it can't really grow well, away. It, it, it's working for him. I don't like it. If he, I'm telling you, if he shaved that beard, gold mine. He had the no beard for a while. Well, and he was still developing, but he grew the beard to have more edge. You don't tr take it from someone who has no edge and never had edge and still made it <laughs> and made all the money he wanted to make and was as successful as he wanted to be. Austin, you don't need the beard. I feel like Vince McMahon goes, you're going to be a heel? Yeah, I need to you grow need a beard. beard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like that's a thing. Exactly. Have you seen this meme of your character Fred from Scooby-Doo with the blonde hair? walked so that Ryan Gosling with the blonde hair as Ken in the new Barbie movie could run. 
Have you seen this meme? No. The only Because you guys Fred, both have very blonde hair. The only Fred Jones meme or whatever they're called that I remember or am aware of is the one where the cast is talking about Scooby-Doo like it's an Academy Award, going to be an Academy <laughs> Award nominated movie. And then some, whoever edited this was just <laughs> glorious. Um, and then it cuts to me and you just see me go, it's a talking dog. <laughs> and that's it. And Sarah had just been like, it was, you know, it wasn't about gender. It wasn't about race. And Matt's like, it was, you know, it's like the Bible. And it, I just believe in it so much. And Linda, she was kind of BSing her way through it. And then it just cuts to me. I'm like, it's a talking dog. <laughs> straight lines, baby. Always straight lines. Those curved lines take too long to get to the same location. Straight lines. There, I mean, there are some similarities between Ryan Gosling as, as Ken. I haven't seen, I don't watch movie trailers, so I don't know anything about, you. no, I don't watch them because I don't, I don't, show, I don't want to see the trailer. You want to see the photo? Oh, the photo, yeah, sure. Yeah, I just I don't want to see you. the trailer. You don't like trailers? Nah, they ruin the movies. Really? Huh. I do not like them. I watch as few as humanly possible. Even the ones, well, you don't even watch your own movies. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm not watching mm. those. They, they used to send me some for like approval back in the day, and I'd be like, "You honestly think I care? <laughs> like we're good, man? Just tell me where the premiere." Look at is. the similarities here. Look at the similarities. Yeah, the the first one is similar. The second one is a four piece wig, and he's just <laughs> rocking the dyed hair. But still, he might have a wig too, though. That might be a uh, wig. maybe a good wig. So September 9th. September ninth. PSN, check them out, subscribe to it. It's easy to do. It's on your, it's on your, uh, the app store on anybody's phone. It's also premierstreamingnetwork.com. That's right. Yeah. You can so do it on a computer check that out. if you don't like your device. Yes. If you're anti-device. Um, but yeah, check them out. Check out my podcasts. Check out this List dude. the names as well. Uh, it's Wrestling with Freddie, yeah. and that one I do for iHeart, but you can listen to it anywhere. And the other one is called That Was Pretty Scary, and that's the, the horror one, obviously. And that's me and my buddy who's James Wan's protege. His name's John Lee Brody. And we break, break down and relive kind of every horror movie ever made. Yeah. As we wrap this up, I'll ask you the same question that I ended with uh, on the last interview. Perhaps your answer's changed. Yeah, it probably has. What are three things that you're grateful for as we sit here right now today? Health, definitely grateful for that. Dealt with like long COVID stuff a while back, which just sucked and beat my ass because I'm old. Um, so I'm super grateful for that. Grateful for my kids. They've been doing amazing stuff lately. My son had a, he plays flag football. He's really small though. So he's speedy, but he's not big. And he's playing in a league where the kids are a lot bigger than him. And he had this step back where the kid reached and fell down ah. when he stepped back and moved. So I was grateful to, to, get to be there and, and see that and be a, be a part of his, his life and not be at work on set or out of the country, something like that. And uh, I'm grateful for sushi, man. I, it's my, I'm telling you, in L.A., it is the best. In Japan, it's great, but they're still very strict in some areas of Japan. And so a lot of their more creative chefs move and come to the West Coast out here because they have more freedom with their food. Mm. And some of the stuff I ate last night with, with some sake, oh, it's nice. It was, it was good. Dude, thank you so much for coming Yeah, my by. pleasure, man. Thanks we'll for having me. We'll do this again next you. month. It's, yeah, it's or, in, or in nine more months. You oh, could, geez, I'll have more news back. Yeah, what if you have a second kid? Then I'll have an eight-month-old eight at that point in yeah. time. Just don't get those Irish twins. Be careful. That's what she wants. Is it? Yeah. Then do it. Okay. Keep her happy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Thank Thanks, you. bro. Oh, man. I could talk to Freddie for hours. Like, I seriously think that he needs to come on the show. Not every six months, but, like, maybe every six weeks. I don't know. If that's something we could figure out, that'd be amazing because... The insight that he brings, pun intended, is just so good. While you're listening to podcasts right now, while you're in the podcasting mindset, go check out his two podcasts. You will not be disappointed. Wrestling with Friends, and that was scary. So listen to them wherever you're listening to this right now. And head to premierstreamingnetwork.com for more information on the Premier Streaming Network and the showcase that we will be at in Metuchen, New Jersey, on September 9th. They're building some great stuff there, so my hat's off to Josh Chernoff for everything that he's doing with Premier Streaming Network. Tag us, share this episode with a friend, and share it on social media as well. He is at Real Freddie Prince. I'm at Chris Van Vliet, and have you seen the new Michael J. Fox documentary? It's called Still. And as you know, Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time, so obviously I was gonna watch this documentary, but he said something in there 
that really stuck with me. And it's a quote that I shared on Twitter. And it's a quote that I'm going to share with you now. You know, I love gratitude. So this was like right on point for me. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com